Well, once again, folks, we are continuing our study, and it's been a couple of weeks since we uh, had a morning Bible study, a Sunday morning study. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Some of you who may not have been with us in our last Bible study may recall, wait a minute, weren't you all the way back in chapter 6? Yes, we were. We finished out chapter 6, went all the way through verse chapter 7 to bring us to these verses in chapter 8. We actually looked at verses 1 through 4 in our last study of chapter 8. As you can see there in verse 1, it says, There is therefore. Now that's therefore. Speaking of what Paul had just wrote in chapter 7 and chapter, in the last half, to, half of chapter 6, talking about the law of the flesh and how it wars with the law of the Spirit. Look over with me, if you would, at chapter 7, uh, verse 21. I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And I say that, and I said that slowly and clearly because I want you to understand something. And, and I battle with this just as much as anybody does. How can God save? How can God tell me? How can God be true telling me that I am saved from the sin that is within me? Because my spirit, the new spirit, the new heart, that law that we just read there, the law of God after the inward man, we know that God's law is good, but that we cannot keep it our law is this law that we read about in verse 2 of Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's how God can be true. That's how God's Word can be true. It's not in you and I. Oh, how we need to be reminded of this over... John Reeves needs to be reminded of this over and over again. It's not... Me, it's my Savior, the Lord Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Why? How? Because my Lord has fulfilled the law of sin and death, the law of Moses, completely in my stead. Not only did he go to that cross and shed his blood, paying the ransom price for my sins, he established a perfect righteousness by fulfilling every jot, every tittle of his law in my stead and in yours. This is how God, who is holy, so holy, he cannot even look upon sin, can look upon us in his Son, in the Spirit. There are two laws, two laws that we see here in this verse 2. One is the law of conviction, the law against sin, the law of death. The law that we all come into this world under. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 18, Therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Look back if you would with me at Romans chapter 3 for just a moment. The other law of the Spirit 
The other law is the the other is the law of spirit. The first law that we saw that I just spoke about was the law of conviction, the law of sin. The other one is the law of the spirit. So what is this law of the spirit? Turn back to Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. We read about this not too long ago. Look at verses 23 through 28 with me, if you would. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's me. That's us. Right there. Being justified freely. That means without cost. That means it was with something with outside of us. Without cost. Freely. By His grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, through the belief that his blood was pure, perfect, righteous, and accomplished all that he desired, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Christ. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Is it excluded by the works of men? Is it excluded by what we could do? Nay, but by the law of faith. The law of faith. So we see two laws. The law, back in our text, we see the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and that it hath made us free from the law that we once were held bondage to, the law of sin and death. The law of faith, folks, is this. First off, it does not save us. Did you catch that? The law of faith does not save you. Too many people will take that statement, the law of faith, and say, see my faith? You see how faithful I am? I show up every Sunday. I give to the coffer every Sunday. See this? See that? This is the things that we do? No, 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 no. Faith does not save us. Yet one is not saved, but through faith. That's what it says. We are saved by grace, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith, through believing Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what we read in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... Here's the, here's the important part that we see about that, that whosoever. Remember, the scripture tells us that there are none that seeketh after me. Was that not you at one time? Was that not John Reeves at one time? There are none that seeketh after him? Whosoever believeth in him, whosoever has faith in him, whosoever has been given the gift of faith, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, which we'll read here in just a moment, Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The everlasting life is to those that believe. To those who have received the gift of belief, as I mentioned a moment ago. Romans 2, verses 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Again, our faith does not save us. Christ is our Savior. The Lord Jesus is our Savior. He, in His grace, gave Himself for us, being made sin for us. He took our rightful reward. How do you know what your rightful reward is if you don't see the depth of your depravity? We're going to talk a little bit about, more about that in the next service. 
You got to be able to. You got. You don't go to a doctor unless you need one, do you? How do you know you need a doctor if you don't think you're sick? By His grace, He gave Himself for us. By His grace, He was made sin for us. He took our rightful reward, our rightful reward of death. He took the full wrath of God the Father upon Himself as our substitute. He paid the price in full. In full. God the Father forsook His Son. Now, can you imagine that? Can, can we wrap around our little minds around that grace? God forsook His Son. God. He turned His back on Him. I can't even think about what that is. I can't even, I can't even picture in my mind what that was, what the magnitude of what that is. And what that does is it expresses the grace of God even greater to you and I. We can't understand the depth of what God turning his back on his own son means, but we see that because of that, the depth of his love, a deeper understanding of his love for you and I, it brings out those verses in Romans 8 that we'll get to uh, here soon over in, over in the backside of Romans 8 there. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not also with him give us all things? It expresses that in great depth, does it not? He gave us his only begotten son that he would not have, so that he would not have to, in his holiness, forsake you and I. For this cause, because our Lord was tried and convicted in our stead, the law of death is conquered says, for the law of the Spirit and life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Our Lord conquered death for us. We now live in the law of faith, the law of the Spirit, the law of love. Let me give you four verses. In Romans chapter 13, we read these words, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That's the law of love. In Romans 13.10 we read this, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. In Galatians 5.14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, thy neighbor as thyself. If ye fulfill the law, it says in James 2.8, If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. This is walking in the spirit. Now, do we do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Do not insinuate Paul is trying to say that very same thing. Do we do what we should do perfectly? Absolutely not. Our, our Lord did everything Per perfectly for us. That's how we stand before God. In Him, not in what we do. But that doesn't mean we don't, we just, eh, whatever. I can live any way I want. Anyone who says that has not been shown the reality, the truth of God's Word and grace for His people. When you've experienced the grace of God, you will. You will show love towards others. Maybe not as much as you'd like. Maybe not as good as you would like to. But I'm telling you, you do. 
If you belong to God, you do. This is walking in the Spirit. And verses 5 through 14 explain this phrase of walking in the Spirit. We're not going to be able to get to all of it today, but I want to cover a couple of verses if you would. Join me again back in our text, verse 5 of Romans chapter 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But, now here we come back to that very statement we saw just a moment ago. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For they that after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you recall a time when you thought upon the true Spirit of God? When you didn't think about upon the true Spirit of God? I, I can remember that very clearly. That was 23 years ago, but it was all about John. I never had any thoughts in my mind about God himself. Especially the true and living God that we see in Scripture. John was off trying to do whatever he thought was right in the world, just like you folks were off trying to do whatever you were trying to do in, the, in your time of the Lord, when the Lord brought you to his word and had the truth of his word preached before you. Unregenerate, unsaved people do mind. In other words, they are concerned, they're anxious to take up with the things of this world. I can't go to church and worship God. i got to pay for a house that I want. I want to watch golf. I, you put whatever you want there. Whatever excuse you want to put. Why are you going to church today, John? What's up with that? Why are you going? I don't know. I need to go. I need to hear about my Savior. I need to hear about my Savior. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Mark your spot there in Romans. We're going to come back for a couple more verses. But look over to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. The flesh, those that are of the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. They mind the things of this world. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 and 23, we read these words, 24 through 33, I'm sorry. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will behold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than the remnant? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet their, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature. This is walking in the Spirit, folks. Walking in the Spirit, trusting in our Lord for all things. It's not telling us not to put clothes on. Not telling us not to prepare for the things we need. You need a new coat for winter, you go out and buy it, right? What it means is that we put all of our trust in our Lord. Everything that's going on with that building next door right now is being taken care of by God Almighty. Everything that happened the other day when those waters came up and ran over the, the building, did it scare Kathy and I? Yes, it did. It put her in tears. But God was in control of that. That's walking in the Spirit. Giving our Lord the glory for everything. Even the preparation for what comes next. 
Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into a stature? Verse 28, And why take ye thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, wherewithal will we be clothed? For, all, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, speaking of those who live after the, the flesh, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the spirit, this is the, the law of the spirit. Walking in the law of the spirit, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Health and happiness, honor for the flesh is the main concern for those of the world, not so for those who are in Christ. They are concerned first and foremost, their thoughts are occupied with the relationship of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't think about those things of the world, it means our Savior comes first. He has the preeminence in our lives. Those of the world are, are concerned in their thoughts are occupied with the relationship of the world, yet those who belong to Christ, our thoughts and our relationship, our, our thoughts are occupied with our relationship with Him. We grow in grace. We have a right relationship with others in attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Look over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Right before Colossians. I want to look at three verses over in chapter 3 of Philippians. Paul, speaking of those very things of the world, the things that he sought after, the things that the Lord had to teach him were a lust, and that was a power of the religious sect that he was in. He was going about persecuting the church with the thoughts of the world, thinking he was being righteous in what he was doing. And he says this about all those things over in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. We have been brought. We have been given a new heart that seeks our Savior first. Why? Because he's the first in all things. That's what Paul is telling us here. I count everything a loss of excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I am suffered the loss of all things and do count them those things but done that I may win Christ and being found in him verse 9 not having my own righteousness which is of the law remember we're talking about two laws aren't we that's what Paul's talking about there he doesn't have a righteousness of his own that's under the law of death and sin but he's under the law of the Spirit, which is in Christ Jesus. But that which is through faith. <laughs> Isn't that what it says there? Faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. And if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. 
Now back in our text in Romans chapter 8. Verse 6 we read this. For to be carnally minded is death. That's what we were just talking about a moment ago. For they that are after the flesh. That's what carnal means, to be of the flesh. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Don't we come into this world spiritually dead? Isn't that what Scripture tells us? That means when God gives life to somebody, when God comes to a dead soul and gives them life like he did Lazarus, he gives you life to see the truth of his word, that there is none righteous, there is no righteousness in you. Your only righteousness is in his son. He reveals the whole truth of God to you. That's the walking in the spirit. If God has revealed himself to you, you are walking in the spirit. Again, we don't do this perfectly. Don't let me, don't let me downgrade that at all. This is important, folks. Quit measuring yourself, John Reeves, by what you do and measure ourselves by our Savior and the gift of faith that he has given us to believe in him. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Go on, let's go on to verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, that fleshly mind that we used to have, that old stony heart that shook our fist. Did you ever shake your fist at God? Do you ever remember doing that? I don't remember ever doing that, but I did. When you put yourself above God, you have shook your fist at him and said, that one doesn't rule over me. I rule over my own path. And we've all done that. Every one of us. Yes, I have shook my fist at him. Maybe not in the flesh, maybe not doing it this way, but in my mind. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Outside of Christ, there is nothing that we can be, think, or say, or do that is pleasing to God. The elect of God, those who are chosen of God, those who are accepted, and are those who are accepted in Christ are well pleasing in His sight because we are in His Son, the Lord Jesus. Turn over to Ephesians chapter one. We'll just look at a couple of verses there. Ephesians chapter one. And while you're turning there, allow me to read from Hebrews eleven, verse six. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you with me over in Ephesians chapter 1? Look at verse 3 through 6. You see Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame in, in, before him in love having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved now back in our text once again, if you would, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, Paul writes, 
We who have been called by God out of the darkness that we once walked in are not in that darkness anymore. We walk in the Spirit. We follow the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. So then they, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, it says. If so be that the Spirit of God does what? Dwells in you. Now, if any man have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I'm sorry, I didn't read that right. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What did we sing a moment ago? I am his, and he is mine. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Because of his righteousness. This body of flesh and all that pertains to it is subject to the death because of sin. That's the battle that we continue to fight. That's a battle that some of us never fought before. That's a battle that many of us gave into easily. Why? Because we were, we were uh, bound by our nature to give into it. Now we turn away from it by God's grace. I was asked one time, don't you believe that we can, uh, that, that we can do things that please the Spirit? I believe this. God does things in me that pleases the Spirit. John's flesh does nothing. Sometimes the Lord does wonderful things in me, and it is glorifying to His name, not mine. I thought about this. And we'll close with these thoughts. I thought about this. If you, uh, I don't know, maybe you're one who uh, is not real passionate to the homeless. Maybe you're one who is, uh, you know, I've seen enough baloney homelessness that I, I turn a cold shoulder to it most of the time. You know? And then one day you're driving along and you go to pull into a McDonald's or something like that, something you see, you're just pulling off the road, some driveway, and you see a poor homeless person sitting there, dirty, ragged, and you think to yourself, I, I've got to buy this person some food. I got, I got, I just got to do it. What? I thought you didn't have any compassion. Oh, but I do. My Lord's compassion for me. Because he is compassionate to me, sometimes he works his compassion through me. Does that fit anybody? Does that fit anybody else? Maybe not that particular scenario, but things like that. That's what a child of God does. We walk in the spirit of his love for us. And if anything happens, if I do anything to bring pleasure to, be, to please my Savior, it's because of my Savior doing a work in me. 